All right, so my guest Chet today um, suffers from diabetes and he's seen firsthand the stigmas that come with this disease. He thinks it's due to ultimately kind of the lack of awareness and knowledge. And that's why so many people chastise people struggling with it, especially type two diabetes. And his kind of strongly held belief that we discussed today is that diabetes is unique in that way, where people are comfortable criticizing and judging people for not being healthier or not taking better care of themselves. So he's on a mission to try and change that perspective and remove those stigmas. So it was a really interesting conversation to learn a little bit more about diabetes and how the disease impacts people both physically and mentally. But maybe even more so, it was interesting to understand why these stigmas exist. Is there any rationale to them? Is it just an unfortunate aspect of human nature? And frankly, like, is it realistic to expect people to raise their awareness on a disease or issue that doesn't directly impact them? So really interesting conversation. Um, I personally learned a lot about diabetes, but also about human nature and how we think and how we function and why sometimes it seems like we're not so nice to each other, especially when people are suffering. So with that, let's get to the episode. All right, Chet, thanks so much for being here. Very excited to talk to you today. Excited to talk to you about um, belief, concept, conviction, that that's really important to you and understand the value of it. So why don't we jump right into that and let me know where, where you want to go, Chet. What's the topic you wanted to cover? Sounds good, Terry. Uh, my topic is diabetes. And the, the thing I'm trying to achieve is to get people educated about it so that we get rid of a lot of the misconceptions that are out there. I'm not a medical professional of any kind. But I have had type 1 diabetes for over 40 years, and I've learned quite a bit about it. Uh, before we start, Terry, I'd like to explain to you why I'm doing this. Yeah. I was in Chicago a few years ago when Ron Santa was inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame. Mm. There are a lot of stories about him in the local papers. And one of the things I learned is that he had diabetes back in the 1960s. Mm. He kept it a secret because he was afraid the team would fire him if they found out. Yeah. And he was probably right about that. One incident happened that was particularly striking. Uh, before I tell you what that is, you need a little bit of background about diabetes. Uh, everybody knows pretty much that high blood sugars are what cause the long-term damage in diabetes. But low blood sugars are a problem too. Yeah. Especially if you use insulin, you can have sugars that go too low. And this is a problem because the brain takes glucose for energy directly from the bloodstream. If it's not in the blood, then the brain starts to go haywire. And things happen like you can start sweating, you lose your coordination, your eyesight starts to go. Uh, everything that comes from the brain gets diminished. So on to the, the story. There was a game in Chicago. Uh, the Cubs were down uh, by a couple of runs. There were two men on base. It was the last of the ninth. And Santa was in the on-deck circle. As he's in the on-deck circle, he starts to sweat, and he realizes that he's starting to have a low blood sugar reaction. Mm. So he just prayed that the guy at the plate would strike out and retire the side. Well, as it turns out, the guy walked. Mm. So Santa walks up to the plate. He's got bases loaded. He looks up to see that there are three pitchers because he's seeing triple, three scoreboards, 30-some-odd people standing out in the field. So he's standing there at the plate. He's the only one in the world who knows what's going on with him with the low blood sugar. He said when the pitcher wound up and threw the ball, it looked like it had a slicky attached to, a back, to the back of it. So he took a wild swing, connected, and put it out of the park for a walk-off grand slam home run. 
while he made it around the bases and back to the dugout and ate his candy bar uh, to elevate his blood sugar again. So that's a great story. You know, most people would say, gee, what a wonderful thing. What a hero. He had a, uh, a uh, walk-off Grand Slam home run. You know, how dramatic can that be? But as a diabetic who has been there, uh, I can tell you that his biggest victory was making it back to the dugout without collapsing. Hmm. So this is the kind of thing that diabetics contend with, especially type 1s or type 2s who take insulin. And it's this kind of thing that I think most people should know about. Hmm. So what's the, I appreciate you sharing that story and, and this topic check, because I think it is an important one. So to go a step deeper on that. When you, when you say important for people to to understand this, are you saying, like, I guess there's an assumption in that, that most people don't understand it, which which is arguably true. Um, and we could talk about that. But is it because you think if people understand it better, what, people would be treated better? There's more likely that maybe a cure or some sort of treatments can be found. Like, what's the what's the end of the thread as you think about why this is so important to you? Well, yeah, the immediate problem, Terry, is, is that there is a diabetes stigma. Mm. That's the first thing I want to get across. There are things that people believe about diabetes that are just not true. Um, the other thing is that having diabetes is really a hard thing. If you're taking it seriously and really trying to control your blood sugars, it is a hard thing to do. Mm. We have all these advertisements out there today. There's one that I just love that's out recently where it's got diabetics literally dancing in the street because they've got this medication they took. Now, the implication of all this stuff is that if you take the right drug, then your problem is going to disappear mm -hmm. and nothing could be further from the truth. Mm -hmm. uh, that's one of the things that we need to get across. The medications certainly help, but they do not cure the problem. Um, I guess... You know, what we could do is talk about some of the, the misconceptions. That I was just going to ask you that. The stigmas that you see out there. Yeah. What, what are those What are those that you see most commonly? The, the, the biggest one, I think, is that we have the idea that diabetics brought the disease on themselves. Most people think that you, know, you got it because you're overweight, you ate too much sugar, or you're sedentary, or all three of the above. Mm. Uh, in fact, the disease starts when a genetic predisposition uh, encounters an environmental trigger. We don't really know much about the triggers, but we do know there are a lot of genetic factors that, that come into play. The weight, sugar, and being sedentary comes into play after you have the insulin resistance, which is a condition that underlies diabetes. Mm. Before I go farther, let, let me explain how, di how diabetes works. I think that's a good baseline amount of information to have. Type 2 is the most common type of diabetes, uh, and I'm going to wind up talking about that more so than uh, type 1, which is a different kind of disease. What happens with uh, normal digestion is that when people eat food, it gets digested into glucose. Glucose provides the body with energy. The glucose circulates in the blood, and it goes to every cell in your body. Now, when your pancreas senses that the glucose is in the bloodstream, it produces a hormone called insulin. Insulin acts as a key. It goes in the blood along with the glucose, and it acts as a key that opens up each individual cell to allow the glucose to enter. Normally, the glucose enters, the cells use it for energy, uh, and the blood level goes back to normal. But with diabetics, this uh, process is short-circuited. 
uh, with type one, which is what I have, uh, it's an autoimmune disease where my body has attacked my pancreas and destroyed its ability to make insulin. Mm. So I don't have any insulin at all being made by my body. As a result, I have to take it. And the only way to, to use insulin is by injection because it breaks down in digestion. But type two is responsible for about 95% of cases. And that's really what we want to talk about. What type twos get is a condition called insulin resistance. And that means just what the word, what the term says, your cells become resistant to insulin so that it takes more and more insulin to unlock those cells. It's a progressive condition so that the longer you have it, uh, the more work your pancreas has had to do to produce enough insulin. And eventually the pancreas loses its ability to produce enough. And this is where the problem comes in. When the pancreas can no longer produce enough insulin, then you've got higher blood sugars. So I kind of lost my train of thought here. Yeah, well, I think you were just explaining kind of how it functions, the, the type 1 versus the type 2, and mechanically what happens in the body. And, and I guess <clears throat> through that explanation, Chet, as you're saying it, it makes the case for why it's not somebody's own fault. It's not, you know, somebody's... Which I'm, 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 I think is an important. I think you're right. It's an important point. So I guess just to get all the cards on the table, because I'm by no means an expert on this either. But is it, is it never anybody's fault? And I'm asking this genuinely. I'm not suggesting it is. Hopefully you understand that. Is it never anybody's fault? Like I understand the environment. There's a genetic component that makes you predisposed to it. Is it then like is it possible that your lifestyle may then cause you to get it or a worse form of it in that case? Or is it really if it's going to happen, it's going to happen? If, if you don't have insulin resistance, you won't have type 2 diabetes. It is the underlying factor. And it underlies other things too, but diabetes is the main one. Yeah. In fact, the way insulin resistance gets diagnosed is by high blood sugar. You know, once you've been diagnosed with a high enough blood sugar to be pre-diabetic, then they say, well, you've got insulin resistance because that is the underlying condition. Hmm. But here, here's where the messaging gets in the way. We say that diabetes is caused, caused by excess weight, sugar, and being sedentary. But that's because the definition of diabetes is, is uh, a certain level of blood sugar. It's really a benchmark. It's not really a separate disease. It's just the result of having insulin resistance. Now, people who say that weight contributes to diabetes mean that if you have insulin resistance and you're overweight, that will exacerbate the insulin resistance. Mm. Uh, it, it does it in an interesting way that never gets explained well. When we think of excess weight, we think about subcutaneous fat, which is the soft, squishy stuff on the outside of your body. But that really doesn't have anything to do with insulin resistance or diabetes. There's a different kind of fat that's called visceral fat. That's It's a hard fat that's packed internally around your organs. That fat does make insulin resistance worse. Now, luckily, when you lose weight, the first weight you lose is the visceral fat, which is why uh, diabetes professionals will tell you if you lose 5 to 7% of your, your weight, you will make a difference in the, in the diabetes. So, you know, like everything else about this disease, it's more complicated than what it looks like on the outside. Yeah. But the weight comes into play, as I said, after you have insulin resistance. If you're eating, uh, putting too much sugar in your bloodstream, well, obviously that, that's a problem because it, it taxes your pancreas and makes it produce more insulin. 
and that just helps to wear out the pancreas faster. And being sedentary is, is the same sort of thing. If you're not sedentary, even if you're doing moderate exercise a few times a week, that helps reduce insulin resistance. So uh, that, that is a factor also. But all three of those things that we usually attribute to the reason you got diabetes only come into play after your genes have encountered that environmental trigger. Mm. If that didn't happen, you wouldn't have diabetes no matter how much you ate or how little you worked out or how much you weighed. Mm. All right, so let me let me play that back to you, Chet, and just kind of say it in in in, a, in kind of a thesis statement form, and, and correct me because I'm going to try and play back what you're saying, but that's what we're doing. Yeah. We're working through it. So, is is kind of what you're going for is a general kind of societal understanding that diabetes is obviously a complex disease, as many of them are, and its true origins are rooted in something that's outside of anybody's control. It's right. true, at least in some cases of diabetes. It sounds like type two that your lifestyle, um, you know, what you eat, how you eat, those things can exasperate it. They can make it worse. That That is something in which, you know, to put a phrase on it, like people should hold themselves accountable to try and manage that. But the overarching disease, the genesis of it, how people get it, people need to understand that that's not something that's created by lifestyle. Is that kind of the, the statement? That's exactly right. Okay. okay. Uh, the, before COVID, uh, I was still in classes. I developed a diabetes program that hit these basic issues because I, I found that uh, many diabetics and certainly most non-diabetics don't understand what you just said. Uh, one of the, the most satisfying things is that after I would do these classes, people would come to me and tell me the best thing that I told them was that they did not cause their disease. Mm. People walk, walk around feeling blamed and shamed uh, for something that they did not control, and that is actually a real bear to deal with. Mm. There's actually a term in the diabetes world called the diabetes police. Uh, you will usually see articles about this in diabetes publications around Christmas time, where they tell you how to handle people who are being critical about what you're eating. You might be at a party and somebody knows you're diabetic and they see you eating a cookie, and somebody is likely to come over and either give you a jaundiced look or ask you if you should really be eating that. Mm. Well, sugar is not poison for diabetics. We can eat it. We just have to manage it well. You know, the chances are that the person eating the cookie has already compensated for it by not eating something else that was going to raise their blood sugar. You know, there are a lot of ways to do that. But for some reason, people, they kind of enjoy the, this blame thing or, or uh, criticizing people when they really don't know what they're talking about. Mm. And as I said, it's so common that they're called the diabetes police. Oof. So yeah, nobody I mean, needs to put up with this. Um, yeah, it's certainly true, Chad. I mean, I think that's that's a true observation, at least as far as I can tell, of, of kind of human nature to to like to judge, to like to point at others that are doing something wrong. Maybe it makes us feel better about ourselves. Maybe, who knows, right? We can get into that. But I, I guess the thing that I, I wonder is, and, and again, hopefully you understand by this point, I asked this quite genuinely, quite literally. I'm not trying to suggest anything. I'm, I'm truly trying to explore it. Um, you know, wh wh where does accountability fit into it, right? Because for, for some of those people that obviously if they're feeling shame or feeling bad about themselves, like they did something to cause this, certainly we don't, that's not something we want. But all of us as humans are flawed, right? Weight, and, and and nutritional habits for at least in America are, are a struggle, right? We see some health issues that come around with that. Overweight, obesity is an issue. 
So I, I understand it's nuanced and we have to delineate, but how do you think about that part of it? Like how, how do we ensure a right balance where people don't feel worse than they should, but they also feel the right amount of accountability if there are things they could do to, to make things better? Is there a balance to be struck there? And how does that, how does that fit into this? Yeah, it sure is. Uh, I'm not talking to just non-diabetics here. I'm talking to diabetics as well, because many diabetics don't understand what they're up against either. Mm. Uh, diabetic, diabetes is probably the ultimate self-care disease. You really have to be thinking about your blood sugar every day, all day. What am I eating? How many carbohydrates am I eating? Which, by the way, let me interject this. Uh, diabetics need to understand the role of carbohydrates. You know, we think about sugar and know that eating too much of that's going to be a problem. But anything that's a carbohydrate, whether it's bread or corn or, you know, lots of other things that you wouldn't think as, as being sugar, they are carbohydrates. And when your body digests carbohydrate, uh, one gram of carbohydrate digests into one gram of sugar. So it really is the same thing. Uh, some people think that just because they're not eating sugar that's labeled sugar, that they're okay, and it's just not true. There are a lot of carbohydrates that, uh, that are really dangerous for diabetics to eat a lot of. But that's just one small piece of information that a diabetic needs to know. Mm. Uh, they have to take that information and really look at what they're eating. What I do, uh, if I'm ordering a meal or if I'm even eating at home, I'll look at my plate and ask myself, where are the carbohydrates? You know, you know, I'll wind up eating fewer of the carbohydrates, but eating protein uh, or vegetables, you know, instead of that, those things won't raise your blood sugar. The vegetables will to some degree, but not much. Mm. So with diabetes, uh, the, the diet is part of it, and the carbohydrates are the biggest part of that. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, with exercise, it's very important for a diabetic to stay active. And by active, I don't mean you have to run a marathon. If you just do everyday activities uh, for like half an hour a day, uh, you can really make a big difference with your blood sugars. It's, it's amazing how your muscle will absorb that, uh, that glucose without any additional medication or anything. Mm. And mm. That, that's the point I make too. You know, really anything short of just being a couch potato is going to help your blood sugar, whether it's vacuuming the house or climbing the stairs or parking your car a little bit farther from the store so you have to get a few more steps in. But all of this comes into play in managing your blood sugars. And that's why uh, this is the ultimate in self-care disease. I mean, it's really up to you. You're the only person who controls what you eat and what kind of activity you're going to do. Yeah, it's super interesting, Jeff, because so, so first let me say this. I, I think what you're advocating for is something that I personally believe we all need more of in all aspects of our lives, right? Trying to get as best we can to like an objective view on something, right? So so exactly where you started on this, we, we often bring in these subjective or preconceived notions or biases about, in this case, a topic like diabetes, which says, you know, hey, it's that person's fault. It's completely their fault. There's this stigma around it. And you're saying like, no, 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 that's not what I want. But you're not suggesting like, go all the way the other direction. You're like, let's just get to the truth. Let's be honest about what it is so we can solve it, which I think is the exact right, noble, good thing to do. I think as you just explained that point though, it illustrates like the nuance and the challenge in this because, and, and again, I say this fully understanding what you just said and, and the right reasons why you said it, but you can understand how like there's a thin line sometimes where some people might feel like I'm just trying to do what Chet just did. I just want people to understand that this is something where 
as simple as you, you know, taking the steps versus the elevator or parking your car a little bit further away, those things are all going to help. And you're saying those things not to judge somebody, not to put them down or make them feel bad, but to try and help them. But then it becomes in the eye of the person, you know, the, the, the interpretation of it from the person. And somebody could look at that and say, oh, you're, you're shaming them. You know, you're telling them that, that they should do more exercise. They should work, walk further. Now, I know, given this conversation, that's not what you're saying. But I wonder how often that happens where well-intentioned people sometimes are trying to advocate that same point, but it gets interpreted as something where it's attacking or it's putting that person down. How do you think about that and trying to, because that's a tough thing to navigate, right? Well, that that's tough, but I think the more people understand it, like you do, Terry, just in the last couple of minutes, I think you you, you get it pretty well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, just getting those basic facts across uh Ought to be enough. I mean, there are some people, they're going to be a problem no matter what. You sure. know, that's, that's just the way some people are. But by and large, what we need are people to understand and respect what diabetics are doing to try to live a long, healthy life. Mm. Uh, when diabetics get together, um, one thing we typically ask each other is, how's your E1C? That's the gold standard for how well you've been controlling your, your blood sugar for the previous three months. And, and we'll talk about that and we'll share tips about maybe some food they ate or uh, that was a good recipe that, that was low carb, you know, that kind of thing. You know, if we can get people to uh, understand it well enough to offer constructive help like that, then they would be part of the solution. Now, another aspect of this, too, is that because of the stigma, diabetics often keep the disease to themselves. They mm. don't want to admit they have it. In fact, I, I didn't myself. I've been diabetic since 1981. And from the get-go, unless you were close to me or had a real need to know, I didn't tell anybody I had diabetes because I didn't want people thinking less of me because they had it. Mm. Now, for you know, during that whole time that uh, I had diabetes, I was president of the company. Mm. And I didn't need people judging me because I had diabetes. So after 30 years, I, I encountered that situation with Ron Santo. When I read that story, I realized that uh, people really don't understand how serious that was. Mm. So I decided to tell, when I came home, I started telling people the story. That, that's really how it started. And what I realized is that people just don't get diabetes at all. I would always have to explain the background of it for people to understand how amazing that, that situation was for Santo. Well, as people ask me more questions, I realized how little I knew about it, especially about type 2. And as I learned more about type 2, I realized that, man, these people are really getting a, uh, a bad deal here because what people believe about type 2 is just not true. And that's really what prompted me to get into this and to start trying to educate people. Mm. Um, as, as you look back on it now, you know, 30 years ago, you were president of the company. Would you do it differently? Like, would you have told people sooner? Would you have engaged in it sooner? I would have, and I'll tell you why. I ran into a, a former employee a few years ago. He had gotten diabetes, and he didn't take care of it. He said uh, after, after a while, he couldn't take the pain anymore, so he went to the hospital, and they took one leg off on one day and the other one off on the next day. So obviously he's in a wheelchair and he's in, in bad health. And he didn't know I had diabetes. He told me that if I ever get it, make sure I take care of it. Well, I think about that a lot. 
because I kept it a secret. And he was not a guy who needed to know that I had diabetes, so he never did know. And I, I, I wonder if he knew that I had diabetes, whether he would have come to me and asked me about it uh, 30 years ago before he had all these complications. And that bothers me. And so to answer your question, no, I wouldn't have handled it. Uh, I would have handled it differently. I would have been open about it. And I would have been proud about it, too, because if you're dealing with this successfully, you you shouldn't feel ashamed. You should feel uh, that you deserve respect for doing the hard things you do. Mm. And that's another aspect of the problem. You know, Because diabetics don't talk about it, you don't have the peer support that people who have other diseases have. Mm. Um, I know with uh, cancer, for example, and I'm not equating diabetes with cancer, but they've got a Livestrong program where people get in there together. They're all fighting this same uh, the same disease, and they're all taking pride in what they're doing and supporting each other. Uh, that's a wonderful thing. But that's the kind of thing that many diabetics are denied because we don't even want to talk about it. But there again, if we can educate the public and create an, uh, an environment that supports diabetics, that can change. Yeah, I mean, as, you, as you're saying those words, and I'm, I'm trying as best as any of us can to like, because I, I don't have diabetes, Um Obviously, people have different things they struggle with, but but I'm trying to put myself in the mindset of what you're saying. And I can imagine that would be really hard, right? You're already dealing with the disease and all the things that come along with that and managing it. Then on top of it, you don't really want to talk about it. You feel bad about yourself and, and all the nuance that we spoke about before. And it's like, yeah, that's probably miserable. Like there's probably a miserable sensation to that. The other place my mind goes, because I always try and look at it from all different angles, is like, you know, you mentioned cancer, we could talk about all different diseases, right? Multiple scrolls, we can go on and on and on. Sure. Is there any aspect of that to it where, and now this is kind of a big macro, maybe more of a philosophical point, but it, it ties obviously to diabetes. Like, is, is the struggle in what you're trying to achieve, getting people to understand it, getting people to empathize with it, getting people, whether they have diabetes or not, to just understand this thing, is the challenge in it that like, there's so many things. And for people to focus enough time and energy, like even take you as an example, right? Like, you were so dedicated and committed to diabetes because you have it. If you like, you you don't have multiple sclerosis. You likely don't. I'm presuming here, so obviously correct me. But you yeah. may very well not know as much about that and what it is, what it entails. Now I get it's different, and people don't have the same stigma and blame people. So I totally get that. Everything has their different dynamics. But is it feasible? Is it realistic for people to really grasp and understand the depth of something like diabetes when there's somewhat like an infinite number of things like that? that people could or should be trying to understand better and be more considerate about. You know what I mean? Yeah. The big difference between diabetes and most other diseases is, uh, is what a, a researcher said. Uh, I've done a, I, I wrote a book about diabetes. I've done the diabetes program. I've done a lot of research into it. Uh, one researcher put it this way. He said, diabetes is one of the few diseases in America today where it's socially acceptable to blame the victim. Mm. That's what the difference is. It's socially acceptable to blame the victim. It's so, it's so ingrained in our culture that it's hard to wring it out. You know, once people have concepts, they, they usually find it hard to, to let go of them. Mm. And this is just one of those things. Let That's me tell you another story, Terry. This just yep. blew my mind when it happened. It was uh, in a class and uh, this woman did not have diabetes, but her aunt did. And she told me that 
she and her sister would go to the aunt's house and they would rummage through all of her drawers uh, in her pocketbooks and all this stuff, trying to find the candy that they knew she had squirreled away somewhere. Mm. I couldn't believe it. You know, here, the poor woman, depending on the medication she's on, she may need that sugar to boost her, her sugar up, you know, to avoid the low sugar we talked about with, with Santo. I mean, that is the cure for low blood sugar. Yeah. But this woman clearly didn't understand the disease and she was lording it over this this poor older woman. You know, it's that, that kind of thing. I mean, could you imagine somebody going into the home of somebody with uh, any kind of disease and, and behaving that way? Mm. Where they think they know best, even though they don't know anything. Yeah. So that, that, that's, the, that's a barrier we have to break through here. And you know what? I find it to be... It's really satisfying for me. I've, I've talked to lots of groups, you know, whether it's a Rotary Club or government groups or churches or, I mean, all kinds of places. And I have universally found that people know two things about diabetes. One is that it's dangerous. And two, they really don't know much about it. Hmm. And always people are happy to understand the facts. Just like I'm, I'm already, as I've mentioned before, you know, what I've explained to you already Put you head and shoulders above most people out there, mm-hmm. and that's really all they, pretty much all they need to know. Yeah, or learn more to be even more helpful than great. But you know, at least learn enough to get off my case just because I have diabetes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rightfully so. Yeah, it makes me wonder, like, how much of it is just human nature coming into play, right? And I and I get it. You're right. Like the the specifics of diabetes make it even more susceptible to that human nature, right? Because people have this stigma because they don't know enough about it. And let's be honest, right? Because there is some aspect, at least of type two diabetes, which is like you said before, right? If, if, if you do, you know, if you're not sedentary, if you do follow a certain diet, it will help. So there is some aspect of, you can control aspects of it to an extent you put all that together with human nature and I wonder if it's not inevitable, right? Because that's, that's in many ways, that's why I do the show, right? And ask all these questions, try and understand it. Like, I'm trying to understand, like, why is there so much ugliness in the world? And we could pick, you know, racism, we could pick the war in the Ukraine, we could pick diabetes and the way people are treated. And I know they're all different in their own ways, and they're all nuanced in their own ways. But is there an aspect of human nature here, which is just that, and maybe let me ask you this, chat, this fills out, like, what, what do you take away from all of this? Is it is it ignorance? Or is it evil? And I know I'm using oversimplified terms in that, like, do you think people are just inherently kind of bad in that way? Or is it more ignorance and they just don't have, if they had the knowledge, they would be better? Yeah, well, in this particular case, I think it's ignorance. Um, I don't think anybody, nobody likes to see somebody suffer the consequences of a disease like diabetes. You know, Mm -hmm. if you don't take care of it, just like my, my former employee, you know, watching somebody lose their legs, that nobody wants to see that kind of thing, I don't think. Although, you know, Terry, there, there's a whole continuum of, of uh, personality types. You know, you've got people who are empathetic uh, to the nth degree, and that's a wonderful thing. That's maybe what we need more of, mm. in this case, is some understanding and empathy. But, you know, you look at people who are very empathetic on one end of the spectrum, but then you look at that uh, that Wagner Group guy over in Ukraine mm. who is sending people to their deaths, and if they disobey his orders, killing them with sledgehammers. I mean, that guy is on the total opposite end of the spectrum. So you know, most of the small, <clears throat> excuse me, somewhere in between 
And I think most of us are pretty decent people. Like, I do think that basically people are good, but we need to be open-minded and we need to listen to each other. Yeah. It's weird. That's, that's the problem. We've got to listen to each other and give each other the benefit of the doubt. You know, don't call somebody evil just because they disagree with you. They probably have a whole different perspective than you do, and maybe you could learn something by listening to them. Mm. But you won't know that unless you have the conversation. Yeah, that's where it gets tricky because I think to that question of is it ignorance or is it you know evil or bad or whatever, it's a tough one to answer because I, I think you're right. I think when you start following that thread and exploring that, you say, well, it's ignorance, right? I don't think most people want to see people harmed. I don't think they want to see suffering in the world. And I think that's true, right? So you say, okay, it's ignorance. But then there's a step in that where it's like, okay, if, if, if that's how most people feel and they recognize it's ignorance, then why aren't they doing more to eliminate that ignorance, to learn, to understand, to be more empathetic? Now, you're right. Probably some of that is genetic or whatever, lived experience, nature versus nurture, whatever, that they just, their minds can't do it. But where I often hold myself very much in humanity in general, very accountable is ignorance. Okay, that's up to a point. But once you're aware of that ignorance, once you see the suffering in the world, when do you take you rhetorical, you take that next step and say, I'm going to do something about it. And that's where I think the bad, like if we don't, take an action. If we allow that ignorance to stay, then I think we have to own it and say, okay, maybe I'm not as good of a person as I thought I am, right? Maybe I do need to change something about me because I'm accepting this ignorance too much. So it's almost like a both kind of an answer in a way. Do you see it that way? Or do you see it? You see it differently? You know, the, the problem, I have a, this is off the topic, but I have uh, a few friends that I get together with once in a while that we're going to meet again on Friday. <laughs> Two of these guys are PhDs and they're they're liberal as a day is long. Uh, another guy is a college professor uh, who's pretty conservative. Uh, there's me, you know, I hate to label myself. I try to be a reasonable person. But the wonderful thing about this is that we'll get together at 10 o'clock in the morning and we'll talk until three or four o'clock in the afternoon mm. about all kinds of different subjects that uh, a lot of them we disagree on. But it's never contentious. It's always with a smile. Uh, usually somebody will say, I never thought of it that way. And we, we come to a it's just a really nice thing to be able to sit down and be friends with people that you have disagreements with. But the problem outside of that room where the, the four of us meet is just in a guy's house, is that when you step outside that door, it seems like the polarization is so extreme on both ends that nobody on those ends wants to talk to anybody who doesn't agree with them. And the, the problem for somebody like me is, how do I even broach that conversation? Mm. You know, because almost by definition, if I don't agree with them up front, they cancel me. Mm. So, so what do you do? Mm. I mean, it's the million, billion dollar, trillion dollar, whatever the right number is these days question, because you're, you're right. It's like this convoluted knot of even if I want to do better, it's it's hard to, to do better. And and it's it's the right question. I don't know where, where I keep landing on it is. And I think it's, it is on topic still with the diabetes conversation, because in many ways, that's a microcosm of it. I think, you know, and this is cliche, but it's got to start with ourselves, right? Like we have to check. We, if, if we're assuming that there's other people in the world that are either ignorant to certain information or choosing to be ignorant or aren't allowing people to explore and just have honest conversation and discourse and disagreement. And there's something in their minds that's not letting them to be rational and to realize that, the first place I go is I have to assume I'm similar, 
I probably have something in my mind that's irrational. I probably have something in my mind where I don't realize that I'm ignorant to. And like, not only is it good to figure that thing out because then you can fix it, the empathy, the learning you have in going through that process of like, oh, now I know why that person's trying to cancel me. Now I have a sense of why they're reacting in that way gives you a better ability to actually get to the outcome you want because you can understand it better. You can see what's there. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying it always works cleanly or like in a linear way, but to me, it's the best that I can come up with. I'm not, again, I'm not saying it's the best of answers, but I don't know. I don't know what you do with that. Well, let, well let me ask you, Chad, as we're coming towards the end here, maybe, maybe last question around it for you yourself, for this topic of diabetes, you know, what, 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 what is the ultimate goal, right? If, if, at the, whenever it is, hopefully a long time from now, the end of your life, and you're looking back on it to say, you know what, that was super important to me. And I feel like I achieved it. What would that be? What would it look like for you? Yeah, this is what I, what I've come up with. And this is what I believe. My goal is to, to create an informed social environment that respects diabetics who fight the disease and encourages those who don't to take it seriously. If we had an entire society that understood the bare bones uh, enough to not stigmatize diabetics and to encourage them to do the hard things, because watching diet, exercising, and, and losing weight, none of them is, are easy things. If they could be encouraging uh, and, and respectful, it would make a difference. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's if I could achieve that even partially, that would be a wonderful thing. Yeah. Chad, I, I like it. And, and I'll say, I hope you achieve it because I think as we've talked about, it would not only help diabetics. I've heard you make the compare, like, it, you know, all different people that are suffering in different ways that if people were just more empathetic and understanding and actually focused on the objective of helping this person, again, not saying it's easy. Sometimes helping somebody is holding them accountable and challenging them, right? That's what this conversation is to some extent. But it's if it's coming from the place of knowledge and understanding, and trying to help, it has to be better than how you're portraying it. It is today, right? The, the situation we have today. So I think yep. it's awesome what you're doing, Chet. I, I appreciate you being on for this conversation because I think in many ways you modeled what you're asking of other people. Go into a conversation, question it, challenge it, look at it from all angles, try and figure out what's really there. That's what you want of other people, and you got the word out there on it. So I, I consider this a success, Chet, and I appreciate you for for doing it and being on. Well, thank you, Terry. I really enjoyed our our conversation. I did as well. I hope you have a great rest of your day and good luck. Good luck with everything. All right, thanks. All right. Hey, thanks a ton for listening to the episode. Um, I really do appreciate everybody that listens. And I think it's super cool that people want to hear conversations like this. They want to hear us talk about values and different perspectives and really just philosophical thinking. Um, I'm kind of on this mission or journey to bring philosophy back to the forefront, maybe even make philosophy cool again. Because I just think there's so much value in thinking about our thinking, questioning and challenging ourselves more, pondering these big picture questions about life. Um, so in that spirit, I'm trying to expand that mission a little bit. And I created a Patreon account um, that would be awesome if you check out. I'll put the link in the show notes. Uh, it's pretty simple, though. It's patreon.com slash what's the value. And the idea is for people that maybe want to learn more about philosophy, dip their toe in it a little bit, or maybe you already love it and just want to get more of it, um, check it out. Because there's kind of a tier for everybody, whether you just want to get like a quick philosophical video or a thought of the day. Um, maybe you want to email or text me some questions and get some thoughtful philosophical responses. Or if you want to have a live one-on-one -on -one chat over Zoom, um, we're even doing group discussions where we kind of do group philosophical 
debates and discussions and ponder some of those big questions. So check it out. See if it's something you might be interested in. Uh, as I said, I just love to bring more philosophy into our lives. And I thought this might be a cool way to do it. Um, whether that's your thing or not, and you're into Patreon or not, I really do appreciate a ton that you listen and check out these episodes. So I appreciate it greatly. And I hope you have an awesome day.